No one wants to to be beaten down on an IPO like we did, and 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 we were we left a a, a day at Nasdaq that should have been a celebratory day mm-hmm. um, with being you know kicked in the gut, and the fire hasn't subsided. We want to continue to to grow and mature and elevate as a company, but it has been a uh, sometimes humbling yeah, mm-hmm. uh, experience for the last couple of years, but it, it's it certainly made me a better person. Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Here's a riddle for you. What is less than four inches tall, made of vinyl, and has a big head? Well, you know I've got to be talking about Funko Pops, right? Yep, they are the toy and collectibles company that licenses everything from Dr. Seuss and Game of Thrones to the NFL and Golden Girls. Never did I think I'd say all those things in one sentence. Joining me on this podcast today is the CEO of Funko, Brian Mariotti. It is great to have you on, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's just talk about how you've, you've said that this company is is an index fund of pop culture. What do you mean by that? I think the best way to describe it to Wall Street is that if you were to have a fund of everything that is moving the needle, video games, music, movies, television shows, anime, comic books, anything that has a moment in the pop culture zeitgeist, uh, we are that definitive fund. We have all of those and 1,100 unique licenses at any given one time. And, and being able to have your finger on pop culture and everything that is moving the needle uh, and then representing it in an array of products, that's really what you are when you invest in Funko. How do you time it just right? Because when you're dealing with pop culture, it is very much a timing thing. Yeah. I mean, is there like a, a division within Funko that just sort of looks at, okay, what's hot right now and what might, you know, what don't don't we want to do because it's not hot any longer? I think that's how the company's growing. We, we, we definitely realized that there was a need for somebody to move like fast fashion, basically a Zara of, of pop culture and, and identify licenses faster than anybody, get them out in the marketplace faster. Great example is Fortnite. First one to grab a license, first one to get the product in the, in the marketplace. Smart move. Huge competitive advantage, beating everybody else to the market in fourth quarter. Um, so I, there, there is a need for that. And, and how fast and how quick we can move speaks to a lot to our relationship with our retail partners and our licensing partners and the fact that we do everything creatively in-house. And I think that we just realized there was a need for this and that pop culture, when it comes to sports and music and movies and TV, is recognized. It's just globally penetrating. The, the, the content creation is, is elevating to such a, an alarming rate. And the consumption of that, of that content is, is at an alarming rate. We're consuming mm-hmm. more than ever. Um, there, there's a place for a company like that that can put out things that people love. And we always say that everybody's a fan of something. They love something. And it can be as diverse as Golden Girls or as mainstream as Game of Thrones or everything in between. And, and we don't discriminate. We just know everybody's a fan of something and we try to make those products. Well, with your newest pops, you are honing in on the boy band fans. Uh, yes. You've got uh, something for NSYNC. Uh, you've got Backstreet Boys and, of course, BTS. Yes. How did you land that license? Well, I, I think that we have a, a lot of people in our company that are younger. Uh, this one's clearly over my head, but uh, BTS is the definitive, uh, you know, the K-pop band. I think it was the Grammys last year that they just absolutely blew up. And we started working with the licensor. Uh, we'll be the first ones to have product out in the marketplace again, uh, which we love to hear. And uh, this is, again, a global phenomenon, and it's 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 big in South Korea, but it's also big in Europe, and it's big in North America. And we love to 
to leverage against properties that have uh, a global audience, and BTS is certainly one of those. And you are also diversifying. I mean, we know that the pops yeah. are just are very hot, but you've got plush toys now, and you, and you just recently made an acquisition buying a, a board game company. Yeah. Tell us how that sort of works into the overall strategy. Well, I, I think for us, uh, the board game industry, believe it or not, it's analog in today's digital society, and it's on fire. It's growing exponentially faster than the toy industry. And I think people need to unplug from their devices. And I think it's great for families and, and, and friends to, to get along, put the devices to the side, engage in, 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 you know, engage in good old fun, board game fun. And, and Forrest Prezan, who we acquired, uh, just announced today, um, been in the industry 20 years. They are one of the preeminent game engine creators. They've created Cranium and Kadoo and Caribou and the Game of the Year nominee, uh, Villainous, which is a Disney villains title that is just blowing up uh, at Target and Walmart. And these are these are uh, much like we are a creative house for pop culture. These guys are an amazing creative house for game engines and game design and how they can create fun in, a, in an analog way. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt that they're uh, less than uh, 15 miles from our headquarters in Everett, Washington. They're in Seattle, Washington. Uh, we've been long admirers and have crossed paths over the last decade and a half since I've been running Funko. So uh, we're insanely excited for this acquisition. Yeah, you know, we have board game night at my house, and I remember, you know, marathon monopoly sessions. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. There's definitely something to be said for the power of the board game. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you make these pops. How mm -hmm. long does it take you to make one? Well, I think what's interesting about us, we talk about fast fashion, the, the Zara type of a company. Um, game of Thrones season finale last year came out. Uh, there was a certain dragon that turned into a zombie dragon with a with a white walker on top. And we came in the next morning after watching that on Sunday night. One of my sculptors came in early, had it already sculpted by about 9 o'clock in the morning. Wow. We had it submitted to HBO by 10 o'clock in the morning. It was approved by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and we started pre-selling the item. And the item was on the, on the water 70 days later. So Crazy. the idea of moving that fast, to be able to take pre-orders on an item, to be able to sell the day you created an item, these are competitive advantages that traditional toy companies don't have. All right, so a lot of people know the story of Funko if they saw that Netflix documentary. What did that do? Uh, just I'm curious to, to, for the profile of Funko when that came out in, in I guess it was last year. Yeah, I, I, it helped. I, I, I do believe that as people, you know, we're new to Wall Street. And I'm definitely new for being a public CEO. Um, trying to explain what we do. And oftentimes, uh, you know, when a company is looking at investing in this, hopefully in the long term, uh, one of the things they've turned to is the Netflix documentary to understand our culture, what we believe the company is like. We, we believe we have fans that are evangelists that, that love our product, love what we do. Uh, we don't sell just products. We sell experiences and we sell events. And I, I think the idea is that, you know, we are constantly, we have 50 events worldwide last year that our fans can attend all over the world. Uh, big events like San Diego Comic-Con. There's a Comic-Con in Russia, a Comic-Con in Brazil. There is there is a Disney D23 Star Wars celebration. Um, we have events where we throw parties for our fans. And then we obviously make a bunch of products that we as fans ourselves create for fans like us. And, and I think all that lends to a very deep-seated relationship with our fan base. And I think the, the documentary shows that, 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 that how important these products mean mm -hmm. to our fan base and how important the products mean to us. And I think that uh, when you can buy into a management team that lives, breathes, and die and into a 
culture in our company that absolutely loves what they do, you know that you're getting the maximum amount of your employees because they love what they represent on a day-to-day basis for work. And I think when people are investing, it's important to understand the culture of a company and how important, how mainstream what we're doing truly is on a global basis. So it's been a, a wonderful tool to get um, potential investors to look behind the curtain on who mm-hmm. we are and who our fan base is. And what's so interesting about our fan base, it's not fanboys. It is uh, men and women equally and boys and girls. We are truly a four-quadrant company. Companies like Lego and Hasbro and Spin Master and Mattel would kill to have our demographic. It is truly unique in our industry. What about uh, age-wise? I mean, is there a certain age range where people you find where, yeah. where it's sort of the, your the, sweet spot? Where certainly the sweet spot is 35, and it's it, it's 51% women and 49% men. Mm. But it's truly morphing. I think right now our overall business is about 30% kids. Uh, you know, five years ago, it was probably about 5% kids. And, you know, 10 years ago, we were 98% male. So there has definitely been a shift um, and as pop culture shift, the consumption of pop culture shift the, the creation of all the content. And that's the biggest thing. When Netflix is in investing $10 billion in original content in 2019 and Disney has a streaming service that's going to come on board and Hulu and Amazon and Apple, um, there is more content being created than ever and we're consuming more content than ever. We're just the one company in the middle that has taken that content and putting it in touch with the fans. And I think that's really important. Did you make a conscious effort to go uh, after more women consumers? And and how do you think you were able to get their attention? I think we did by the diversity of licenses, knowing that everybody's a fan of something and not looking at a spreadsheet analysis and saying, I don't think it's important for us to go golden girls because we won't make X amount of dollars. We do it because we're fans and we know there's other fans of that. And then taking whimsical, affordable design for the most part, women don't want to collect, collect action figures. Uh, something cute. We want to whims- declutter, you know. <laughs> that's right, right. <laughs> so something that's cute, whimsical, and fun. It can be as simple as, as a lounge fly backpack or a purse that we create or a, a cute plush or a cute little pop figure. Something that, that if you're a woman and you love Daenerys from Game of Thrones, you could just put it in your cubicle that shows <laughs> what you're passionate Some about. Some personality, right? It is. It, it's it, it's, a, it's a, a peek inside the window of your soul. Now, of course, Mike Becker started it all back yep. in 1998 out yep. of a garage. Yes. That story sounds familiar, right? <laughs> a few other big companies were started that way, too. Yeah. Um, but tell us how you got involved with the company. Yeah, I got involved in 99 by just being a fan of their products. I loved what they did. They had a very nostalgia take on the things that were, were from my childhood. I grew up playing every kind of sport known to man, and I had zero toys. My brother had Star Wars toys. I had none. Hmm. And so... I grew up on Scooby-Doo and Flintstones and Jetsons. And, and, and when I got to a point where, you know, I wanted to, to manifest my love of these retro cartoons, there was this company out there called Funko that was doing everything that I grew up on. And, uh, and all the breakfast cereal I ate as a kid, all the junk sugar cereal that I ate <laughs> as a kid. The truth comes out. Oh, the Frankenberries, the Count Chocolates, the Booberries, the Tony the Tiger <laughs> Frosted Flakes. If it had sugar, I was eating it. And, and this company was making wonderful retro bobbleheads of all these products. So I became a fan. I went to Comic-Cons. I met other fans. And eventually I had an opportunity to talk to the owner of the company, Mike Becker, because we had an opportunity to make a bobblehead for Bank of America. And I got to strike up a friendship with him. And I got to watch him run his company for about three years from afar, Mm -hmm. just being a fan and being a friend. And then one day he said, you know what? I I need a new challenge. I want to do something different. He'd been with, he'd ran Funko for six years. He goes, I think I'm going to close the company and try to do something different. And I, I just blurted out, I'll buy it. 
<laughs> and so I, I partnered up with two of my high school buddies. We came up with the money. Uh, they knew did you I'd find be, Did you find people to invest? Uh, just, 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 just two the, myself okay. and two of my high school friends, and we, 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 we bought it, and it didn't cost us a lot of money, which was great for us. We didn't have a lot of money, <laughs> um, but um, they knew I was the perfect guy to run the business. So they were silent partners, and uh, 15 years later, we went from two employees to a little over 700, and uh, it's been a phenomenal growth story. But it's been more than that, it's just been so fun. It's been just a blast. I, I think of myself as uh, a poor person's Willy Wonka in the <laughs> toy industry. And I got to pinch myself that every day I get to come in and be surrounded with such amazing creative people. Our staff is just some of the most passionate, energetic, talented individuals. And our company is growing because of their their passion and their, and, and their love for pop culture. And so to surround myself with amazing creative people on a day-to-day basis and make things that absolutely no one needs, but everybody wants, <laughs> yeah. is 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 a really cool thrill. We know we're not doing anything that important in the world, and we take that through that lens. Right. But we just want to bring a little bit of joy and fun to people, and we absolutely believe our products do that. Now, I am hearing rumors, and I'm hoping that you can yep. set the record straight, that we are in for a Funko Pop movie. I've heard those rumors, too. I think there <laughs> was a you? disgruntled employee at a uh, <laughs> potential very large animation studio that may have leaked something that wasn't quite ready Warner for public. Brothers, yeah, maybe? yeah. So I, I'll be vague. I'll say that um, it's been wonderful to see big motion picture studios turn to us as a licensor versus always being the licensee. And I think that that speaks really loud and clearly to how well we've done as a company. Um, so I'll be vague and say that we're hoping one day that we have an amazing, very well-written, well-directed pop movie. And I know that bringing toys to the movies can sometimes have a negative connotation. And I think that uh, if we were to do something like this, um, <laughs> well, you're we would have <laughs> we would have the right director and the right animation studio, the right story, something that would be very Pixar-ish, ah. and, and, and I think that that's important to write to a level where adults are excited about the story, but kids love it. And, and I've grown up loving Pixar. We our VP of creative, Ben uh, Butcher, was John Lasseter's right hand man at Pixar for over a decade. Um, if we're going to get into this, I, we're going to do it right. I think you're, you're right on the money with saying that you also want to be able to have these movies be fun for the adults. Yeah. Because as a parent, having gone to countless movies with my children, it's always nice when they throw a little something in yes, there for the adult. Yes. Um, let's talk about Wall Street and how they've seen Funko. Because in the beginning, I don't really think they got it, right? Yeah. It went public in 2017. The stock was down like more than 40% yeah. in its first day. It had a very first, a, a rough first year. Yeah. Uh, then it started to bounce back. And so far in 2019, I mean, your stock is up better than 40%. Yeah. I, it's been an education process. I think, you know, we never looked at ourselves as a toy company, but Wall Street lumped us up as a toy company. And we fought that. And we learned over the last, you know, 14, 15 months, we just need to embrace uh, how people view us, but then educate them on how we're different and how we're disruptive and how our business model we think is superior and that we believe that we're a $2 billion a year revenue company in waiting and, and how, we're, how we can provide a roadmap that Wall Street can understand on how to get to that number. And I think that, you know, this has been new for all of us. And, and you know, we're all, we all believe we're creative people, but understanding that you have to educate your, your, your shareholders and, and, and explain to them why your path is the right way and why they should believe in you long term and what your business 
could mean in the future is something that we're getting better at. And it's just taken a little bit of, uh, of time to, to get our, our feet underneath us and, mm-hmm. and, and some, some expertise in helping us uh, better message who and what we are. But I think that the, the effort is starting to sink in. I see some of these Funkos going for thousands of dollars yeah. on eBay. I mean, yeah. people are, take them really seriously. What was your best-selling Funko? So the, the best-selling Funko pop of all time is the Baby Groot. From, from Guardians of the Galaxy where okay. he blew up and he was in the little flower yeah. pot. And uh, I think year to date, we are lifetime to date, I think we've sold over you know, 1.6, 1.7 million units of that one little pop character. And it's adorable. And, and I think that um, we've sold you know, well over a million Batmans and we've sold... So the you know, classics still work, Yeah, the right? classics. Yeah. Evergreen content never goes old and, and, and it, it never goes away. And, and that's what we like about our business is that all this amazing new content, yet if you look at our financial statements for last seven years, 40 to 45% of our revenue each and every year is evergreen content. And Mm -hmm. evergreen content is any content that's not tied to a current movie, TV, video game. It's things that are beloved, like Frozen, but not Frozen 2. So, or like the early Star Wars movies, or like the Ghostbusters are having an anniversary this year. Um, That content is something that licensors love us for, the ability to monetize their back catalog we can do that in like no other company on the you planet. You tap into people's, you know, emotions like yeah. when they have an affinity for something. Uh, now, conversely, I'm wondering, was there ever anything you made where it just didn't take off? You were like, well, I don't know. That just didn't happen. Yeah, I, I won't mention specific licenses, but there's certainly some some properties that we didn't do well with. You know, music is one. When, we first, when Pop was first created in 2010, we went into the Michael Jacksons and the Kisses and, and – uh, and we did a lot of great music bands, the Ramones, and I don't think uh, the world was ready for pop yet uh, to where it is now, and certainly not in the music genre. And so we've gone back and we've done those new, those same licenses again, six, seven years, you know, after we first did them, and the results been day and night different, and we've done very, very well. So. Oftentimes, a license might not work, and then we can bring it back three or four years ago. Friends, we brought out mm. five years ago. It did okay. We brought it back last year. It did phenomenal. Yeah, so it's everywhere now, too. Yeah, right? and, the show and, is everywhere now. And Netflix. And I think Netflix sure. has a lot. My daughter's 19. She's been watched all of Friends twice. Yeah. I hear you. My, my, a lot of my, some of my kids have too. They really, yeah. really like it because it's new to them. Yeah, it's it not is. new to us. Right. And, and the idea that I, I didn't even know my daughter was watching, <laughs> this was about my parenting skills, right? Didn't know my daughter was even watching Friends. <laughs> we won't tell it, anybody. Yeah, but at least it was Friends, right? Yeah. So um, that is, Netflix has changed a lot for a lot of people and, and they've brought iconic shows back. And, and put it into a new audience, and then we can re-monetize that. And that's been fun. And just lastly, tell me what your takeaway is. What have you learned, you know, heading up Fungo for the past 15 yeah. years, but now the past two two and change have been as a publicly traded yeah. company. How has that been different, and what, what have you taken away from that experience? I, I think it's, you know, um, I think it's been, made me a better communicator uh to, to Wall Street over the last couple of years, I think it's maybe a better communicator to our staff. Sometimes you get you work in a in a, in a vacuum, and, and you forget to tell all the different departments that make up a company like ours: accounting and finance and marketing. And you know, I used to always hyper focus on sales and, and art, and you realize that there are other people in our company that are so important to our overall success that don't understand what we're doing as a company oftentimes. So uh, we've gotten better, and I certainly have gotten better at communicating vision to both Wall Street and to our own employees and to our fans. And I think that, you know, it's a learning experience. No one wants to, to be beaten down on an IPO like we did. And, and, and we were 
we left a, a, a day at NASDAQ that should have been a celebratory day mm-hmm. um, with being you know, kicked in the gut. And uh, we're very entrepreneurial as a company. And I think that it put a, a fire in each of our belly for our management team to prove a lot of people wrong. I think we've done a pretty good job of that, but um, the fire hasn't subsided. We want to continue to to grow and mature and elevate as a company. But it has been a uh, sometimes humbling yeah, mm-hmm. uh, experience for the last couple of years, but it, it's it certainly made me a better person. So I, I've enjoyed it. Well, it's certainly evident that you are a fan and passionate about what you do. So keep making those Funko Pops. Brian Mariotti of Funko. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.